The Home Show with Sinead Ryan on News Talk. Hello and you're very welcome along to the latest episode of The Home Show podcast. My name is Sinead Ryan. Coming up this week, life on a houseboat. Will new permit increases turn an affordable alternative into an expensive luxury? Ryanair was bulk buying new bills and swords and it raised the ire of many, but they're not the first company to do it. Historian Donald Fallon will be in. We'll meet the visual artist of the year who made her name painting interiors and Jennifer Sheehan runs us through the do's and don'ts of Airbnb lettings. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. You'll find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. And remember, you can listen back to the show and our podcasts on newstalk.com or on the Newstalk app, which is powered by Go Loud. Now we have a new bank holiday, St Bridget's Day, so hopefully you're celebrating it by doing something nice this weekend. If you're lucky enough to be heading away, or maybe you are away, or you're thinking of Easter or St Patrick's Day or all the other bank holidays we have this time of year, well, do stay tuned. I love the flexibility and the price of Airbnb and but I've stayed in some less than salubrious places places that didn't the pictures didn't quite match the reality but Jennifer Sheen will have her top tips on accommodation whether you are an Airbnb host or whether you're travelling to one and she will be in later in the show so do get in touch with your tips uh, if you are a letting host or indeed if you are a seasoned Airbnb traveller what do you love to see what do you hate to see now perhaps the closest most of us have ever gotten to being on a houseboat was watching Rosie and Jim on TV when we were children but the combination of the housing crisis and a move to more sustainable living has seen more and more people considering residential boats as a genuine alternative But a newly planned increase in mooring permit fees threatens to make this way of life untenable for many, according to the Irish Residential Boat Owners Association. Barry Madden is a member of that organisation and a houseboat owner himself and joins me now. Um, Barry, you're very welcome to Dry Land and the Newstalk studio. Thanks for having me. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Now, before we get on to this current row and what's going on and what's happened, tell us a little bit about when you made the move to, to a houseboat and why. We made move on to the houseboat about, say, two and a half years ago. Uh, we were um, looking at houses around the Dublin area and they were kind of out of our price range. And then after about two years, we went sale agreed in the house and it was in probate for about 14 months. Mm. So over that time, we the pandemic happened. We kind of um, started looking at what was more important to us and we decided maybe we'd try an alternative lifestyle and move on to a boat and see what that was like. We we spent a, a weekend on a boat down in Salins, uh, just as a little Airbnb trip. And uh, we really liked the idea of it. So we said, yeah, we'll pull out the, the house market and, and go for that instead. So, so, OK, so that idea of a weekend on a houseboat, and I've done it myself. I, I've done okay. it. My, my daughter used to live in Amsterdam oh, for right. years. Brilliant. So um, it was lovely to go over there and yeah. pick up a boat on Airbnb. And, and I mean, it is a complete way of life over there. Yeah. It's as common nearly as trying to yeah, find to an, right an apartment there, yeah. and it's fabulous. There's a lot to go with living on it. It is a slower pace of life mm-hmm. and it's a lovely way of living but I mean like any property you have all kinds of issues regarding maintenance and yeah. may, are, maybe they're more complicated when, when they're on a boat are they? Yeah they, they, they can be I mean like your engine is the heart of your boat so you have to be able to do a little bit of tinkering around on the engine sometimes uh, we've got a great community 
So there's always somebody that might know something that you don't know. You kind of learn as you go. Um, you have to be very cognizant of the electricity you're using. You, you might have to have solar panels or a generator to top up your battery bank. And you have to keep an eye on that power. There's also water conservation. So we have a tank uh, for our water at the front of the boat. And we'd go up once every seven to ten days to fill up that tank. Um, I think we use probably, I was looking at it last night, I think we use probably about 30 litres each a day, whereas the uh, the CRU says they, that a, two people in a house would use about 150 litres yeah. a day. So so is that for not just obviously drinking water then at that level, but are you talking about showering oh, yeah. and so toilet and all that? The, the water we have in the tank, uh, when we fill that up, up um, at the jetty in Salins, uh, it does this for about 10 days, but that's for showers and washing, uh, washing dishes and stuff mm. like that. There's obviously, we don't have a dishwasher, we don't have a washing machine. Uh, and our drinking water then, we use reusable uh, bottles and we fill those up. So do you have to be quite frugal then? I mean, I'm thinking of all yeah. the homeowners and, you know, I'd be one of them kind of saying, get out of the shower, you've been there's in no, there ages. There's no 10 minute showers in the morning. Oh, right. you, you'd... Um, <laughs> You know, when I lived in uh, the house in Dublin, I would have showered every morning before I went to work. Now I'd shower every second day. And, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, water, stop, lather, water, stop, lather, you know. So. But we're told that's the way we're supposed to be yeah, doing it. Yeah. You know, turn it yeah. off when you're brushing your teeth, turn it off yes. when you're putting in the shampoo, all that kind of thing. So yeah. you're living that anyway because you have to. Yeah, well, when there's a finite resource, you have to be yeah. deciding, you know, it, it can take... Um, it could take 40 minutes to an hour and a half to actually go up and do your pump out of your wastewater, your sewerage, mm. and then fill up the boat with water. So you want to be able to plan that out over a couple of days. You, you go up, say, every Tuesday or every mm. Thursday. Or, and are there enough of those places that people can go to fill up with water? Um, well, no, that's kind of one of the issues that we have at the moment with the um, bylaws that mm. are coming in. Uh, where they're talking about moving people out of the communities that they're in. Uh, I suppose organically, people have gone to places like Salins because that's where there is a pump out. There's only four working pump outs on the Grand Canal. That's over 140. Wow, okay. So that's a a big trip then. One in Grand Canal Dock, one at Shannon Harbour at the other end, and then one in Lowtown and one in Salins. Comparing that then to what they would have, say, on the European mainland in Denmark, Amsterdam, where this is, where, yeah. or even in London, where this is, how does that compare? Well, I know that when Waterways Ireland got KPMG to do their report, they kind of focused primarily on the uh, Clyde Canal over in Scotland. And uh, when you look into the services they have there, they have a pump out or um, a cassette toilet disposal every five miles, you know. That's a big difference. It is, yeah. Okay. So day to day then, like wh- what is your day, like what's the draw of it? And yes, you have the freedom and you can yeah. you can go wherever you want. Do yeah. you travel much in it? We do. Um, we didn't go uh, this summer now. We weren't able to go out this summer. But last summer we did the Green and Silver, which is the Grand Canal in its entirety and the Royal Canal in its mm. entirety. Uh, and we crossed Loch Ree and the Shannon as well and Wonder. down past Clan McNoise, you know, so... It's wonderful. real, you're so close to nature, it's yeah. really wonderful experience. Now, so tell me then, um, Barry, what, what is now proposed with 
the, what's the current situation with regard to fees and permits? Because you do need permission to live on, on a barge yeah. on, in a canal in Ireland and, and that's probably probably the right thing. What's What was the situation up to now and what is being proposed? So the situation up to now was you uh, got your permit, your yearly permit, which was €126, because basically you're like, it's a parking space for you. €126 a year. Uh, now they want to increase that to, depending on your location, it's going to be uh, 1,000, it was 1,500, they dropped it down to 1,000, or it's going to be um, 500 for outside of Salins. So down as far as Salins, it'll be 1,000, and then outside of that, right. it's 500. So like an eightfold increase, that's a huge amount. Yeah, well, if you were in Grand Canal Dock, their price is going to go up from, I think it's 530 or 540 to uh, seven and a half thousand. Gosh. Yeah. And who applies that charge? Is it the council? No, it's Waterways Ireland. And what are they proposing to do extra for the for the extra money if they get people to, to pump it up? So what they're saying is that if we pay the money, they'll move us into a new location. So you'll be taken out of your community. You'll be moved to a new location. It could be 10 kilometres away. It could be 50 kilometres away. They'll put you in... And they will allocate your location to you. Uh, you'll spend the 500 euro or 1,000 euro, or if you're on a jetty, it'll be 2,000 euro. And then eventually they'll get some services down to you. So if we were to move to, let's say, Nace and Salins, very close together. If I was to be moved to Nace from Salins and I wanted to go down and use the pump out or get water, I'd have to travel through five locks to get there and five locks back. So that would take the entire day. What would you think Waterways Ireland would say why they're doing this? Is it that they need to fund these extra services they want to give you so that it is more like, say, the Clyde in Scotland? Or or is there another well, agenda it, at play here, do you think? I think it's it's hard to know. I mean, like it's very strange that um, if they were to collect this money, although it's, um, it's an exorbitant fee hike for an individual or for a family living on a boat, uh, it's really a drop in the ocean uh, to their budget, you know. But I suppose, you know, the point is you want these extra services. Mm. You've called for them. Mm. You've told me how they're only, you know, they're every five miles yeah. up in Scotland and that would be a lovely situation for you yeah. to be in and, and also everybody in your community. They have to be funded. Oh, they do. But if you say, say your uh, phone service provider got onto you and you were paying 25 euro a month and they said, okay, 25 euro a month, unlimited calls and data. Now we're going to cancel your data. Um, you'll only be able to make calls and you'll be paying us 250 euro a month for the next five years. And at that point, we'll put in a new tower for you to get your data. So what do you want Waterways Island to do? I'd like them to not put the cart before the horse and start installing these areas and then have people move to them and then talk about costs because it seems that we are funding stuff that isn't even in with board planola yet. So who is on the government side which government is which minister is responsible for this? Is it the Department of Housing or is it the housing one heritage, that looks yeah. after the inland waterways and it's all that hu- kind of housing and heritage? heritage. Yeah. Okay. And is there something that, that you would call on the minister to do at this point Barry? Um, just reject the bylaws and not sign them and say we have to go back to the drawing board with this and have uh, inclusion from all the stakeholders. What will happen you if these charges are increased? I suppose 
there's some people that can pay and some people that can't pay. Mm. You have to advocate for the people that are on the lower run. You couldn't say that I can pay this where my neighbour can't and my neighbour has to move. Mm. Even if I could pay it, it's down to warways to say where I go. So I could, like this year I was working with the Salins Amateur Dramatic Society putting stuff on. So we're, we're ingrained in the wider mm. community there. Mm. But I could be told, no, there's no room for you in Salins. You'll have to move to somewhere 10 kilometres away, 20 kilometres away, 30 kilometres away. Right. Okay. Well, listen, with with all of that going on, and I know you're going to continue fighting it and your organisation will do the same. um, Would you ever go back to living on land? I don't know. We talk about it all the time, (laughs) uh, but not at the moment. I mean, like it's it's just a, it's a great way of life. There's a lot of things to consider. Obviously, I was telling you about water and pump outs and stuff like that. It's not for everybody, but it is a good way of life. Um, So at the moment, no. All right. Well, listen, Barry Madden, I wish you well in your ongoing um, fight on that. And um, I'm surprised that there are actually so many houseboat owners. And do we know how many there are in the country? Uh, Yeah, so there's, we have about uh, 300 people living on on houseboats. And like if anybody is interested in what they've heard today or they want to get involved, they can go onto our website, that's zerboa.ie. They can follow us on Twitter or Instagram and go on to waterways.org and make a submission right. and talk about the bylaws there. Good. All right. Not for everybody, as you say, but for those that love it, they <laughs> yeah. wouldn't do anything else. OK. Um, Barry, thanks a million for joining us on The Home Show today. Now, Ryanair's recent purchase of uh, most of the homes in a new estate called Foster's Town in Swords was seen by many as just the latest indictment of government housing policy and the state of the rental market in Dublin. But in terms of corporate policy, it was by no means the first example of employers getting involved in the housing market in this country. Donald Fallon is presenter of Three Castles Burning podcast and author of History of Dublin in 12 Streets and joins me now. Donald, you're very welcome to the Home Show Studio. Now, before we start, what's this about the book? <laughs> History of Dublin. You outsold Bono last yeah. year. Yeah, and Hodges Figgis. What a great... I love Hodges Figgis. I mean, Hodges oh, Figgis so is mentioned by name in, in Ulysses. You know, I used to see Brendan Kennelly walking around looking at books in there. Yeah. So, yeah, no no better bookshop and no better honour. I would never have beaten Bono, beaten Prince Harry means <laughs> <laughs> Best-selling book last year. Well, that's fantastic. So that in itself is worth a punt in into the book. And of course, we've talked in the past about Henrietta Street and your great book on that. And it's such it's such a wonderful place. Right. Now, um, this turned out to be kind of a thorny topic mm. in the last couple of weeks. Now, I must say, I was a bit surprised at the reaction to Michael O'Leary spending whatever hundreds of thousands or millions on buying up 40 houses in this estate in Swords so his employees and new workers had somewhere to rent near the airport, a bus stop away, um, because he was obviously having difficulty attracting staff to do that. Were you surprised at the Ferrari? This is an issue that's coming to the fore in all kinds of ways. It's coming to the fore at trade union congresses where teachers unions are saying, look, we can't get young teachers in Dublin. You know, they're not able to afford to stay in Dublin. The housing market is is, is on its head. So for me, people are, are, are angry at Michael O'Leary and they're angry at Ryanair, but he's playing the game within the rules. And that suggests to me that perhaps it's it's the game and the rules that need to change more than anything. Like he or, didn't do anything wrong. Exactly, exactly. You know, now um, I know we everybody gets annoyed when you've a housing estate going up beside you and you've kids boomeranging back at home and they see lovely three-bed houses. They, oh, if you go put on a deposit, wait till they're built. And then a vulture fund comes in and buys up the whole thing from the developer. Yeah. 
look, and I can see how that would be very irritating. But from from a business person's perspective, he's like, well, blame the government. Like, you know, and he did do a very belligerent interview on radio. Mm. I, I get that. And he, he doesn't do himself any favours maybe from time to time. But from his perspective of saying, I'm a CEO, I don't care about the government, the housing, whatever. This is what I have to do. That's on your desk and this is on mine. And there are no housing utopias. I mean, often when we're talking about housing, we say, oh, they do it better here, they do it better there. In Berlin, for example, they had a a major referendum on housing in recent times. Most of the supply there is owned by a company called Deutsche Wohnen and Mm. similar issues to what we Mm. have here. So I think that what's at play with this is that it's, it's where in the market it is. You know, it's the fact that it's it's generally low-paid workers who can't find rental accommodation mm. in Dublin. Uh, we've seen this happen with Google, where Google moved in. There was talk of Google actually building their own apartments yeah, and well, Dublin Wits, Chris and that, and the Google seemed ghetto. delighted about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, nobody had any problem down in Grand Canal Dock at four grand a month rent. Yeah. Google the issue, picking the issue up. here is where it's putting stress on yeah. the market. And these houses, they're new builds, so that means it's, it's one of very few uh, housing types in Dublin. And an area in the market that's particularly bad one of the few housing types in Dublin where first-time buyers can get new support, yeah. new support for yeah. a new build. So there's all kinds of issues to play here, I think. Where the houses are, who built them and all yeah. of that. Okay, well look, you're a historian and there is a long and and somewhat glorious history of company housing. And I suppose the first thing that comes to mind when people think of it is Guinnesses. Yes, and my grandfather was a Guinness man, Arthur Guinness yeah. and Sons, today better known as uh, Diageo. And really, when you when you walk the streets of Dublin, in particular what we now call Dublin 8, the, the, the postcodes didn't exist at the time, you see that Guinness money everywhere. The mm. Ivy Markets, uh, the Ivy Trust, we could go on and on and on. In Beautiful a red brick buildings exactly. uh, that still look the same as they did then, have stood the test of time. Hundreds of families were housed there. Exactly. And we're, what time are you talking about? Well, Victorian, We're talking, we're talking Victorian century. age, that yeah, red brick yeah. city of Dublin. But what's so different about that is that is about the construction of houses for their own workforce. You know, okay. that's, not a, it, that's not an intervention with the market in the way that this has happened. But to get to that point around, around Google, I mean, that was really interesting too, wasn't it? I mean, that was, uh, you know, constructing apartment schemes. They gave up on that. They just began acquiring apartments yeah. in the area uh, around, around Google instead. So, yeah, for me, if workers can't afford to live in a city, that leaves a very important question. What happens? You know, if your your mm. school teachers, if your flight attendants can't afford to live in, in the capital mm. anymore, what does that mean? But when Guinness has built these houses and it was seen as nothing but a good thing in Victorian yeah. slum Dublin, which, you know, wouldn't have been a nice place. You know, it wasn't entirely altruistic because... What does the company get out of it? Well, first of all, they can't have anybody calling in late. You know, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. You're living here. We've given you the house. Uh, secondly, um, you get Guinness families, so nobody's going to leave the job to and go and find another job because they lose their house with it, and then their sons and their other their sons. So, does that create? a kind of uh, a system where, you know, it's a bit like the Hotel California, you can never leave kind of thing. Uh, initially, what what Guinness wanted to do was put their faith in someone else to build houses and to financially support uh, a semi-philanthropic housing body called the Dublin Artisan Dwelling Company. It's a great name, semi-philanthropic. So what does that mean? Well, it means... Yeah. We need were, to get something out of this as well. Of it yeah, yeah. So that meant that the houses that they built, they kind of went to what you'd call the skilled working class. Mm. My family would have been in that. It was people who worked in Guinness, people who worked in Jemison. You know, people who who had regular payment yeah. in a city that was defined by brewers and coopers irregular, and yeah, exactly a regular payment. So they they kind of went to the the aristocracy of the working class, you might say. You know, mm. places like uh, Harold's Cross, Stony Batter, 
And those artisan dwelling company houses, they're really iconic, aren't they? They're beautiful little... They are. Now, who are they? Because they go for an absolute fortune now. Those little red brick, one-storey kind of terraced houses now, the square beautifully made. Are smaller. Yeah, they they yeah, often yeah. have the little boot scrapers still on them. Yeah. It's a reminder of who they, were, who they were built for. So they were built by companies as well, were they? The artisan dwelling company. Yeah. And I mean, they were, they were designed to be affordable, but you needed that you know, regular employment, if you will, to, to, to step up and pay for them. So... Yeah, they didn't really address the problem uh, in Dublin. They were a step in the right direction, but we needed a leap. They really look very quintessentially, and I hope people who live in them forgive me for saying this, they look very British. And there's a reason for that. Yeah, They're okay. in the style of what was happening yeah. in Britain in terms of uh, artisan cottages. And in fact, they look so British. That listeners might remember when, when the Spice Girls filmed that music video, Stop. They did it down oh, in Stony Batter. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's the artisan yeah. dwelling company yeah. houses. So they, they really recall Birmingham, Salford, Manchester, yeah. Liverpool much more much more than Dublin. They evoke a place and a certain time. But there, there just wasn't enough of them. So, yeah. so Guinness ultimately had to kind of go it alone and, 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 and start building the Ivy Trust. Now, in the, speaking of Britain, in the UK, I've been to um, the village of Bourneville. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, famously, of course, that, you know, to nobody's surprise, was built by Cadbury. And uh, the Cadbury family, who set up the chocolate thing now owned by Mandelez. But that was a different thing altogether. That was like a whole town that they built. Absolutely. And it was built in what was known as the garden suburb model. So anyone who lives in Marino, Marino is a, is a taxi man's dry, uh, nightmare. It's a nightmare drive. Even when you look at Marino today from the sky, it can be quite confusing. You know, you've got that strong emphasis on communal green space, as much emphasis really on on parks and outdoor mm. space as there mm. was on houses themselves. And that garden suburb idea, that garden city idea, uh, was very fashionable in the kind of early 20th century. But yeah, that town is you know, described in 2003 as, quote, one of the nicest places to live in Britain. You have to think about the Cadbury's family. I mean, they're very different from Guinness. Guinness are brewers, the Cadbury's are Quakers. Yeah, so, so no, no booze at all. Exactly. That town has never had a pub in it, which wow. is extraordinary. So George Cadbury, temperance Quaker, uh, insisted on that. And it remains the way. But when, when you walk around that town now, you can still see, you know, little bits of, of, of its history yeah. very clearly. You have a, an amateur soccer team, Cadbury Athletic FC. They play in the colours of purple and white. Right, okay. <laughs> and, and their crest depicts the famous pouring milk chocolate. So just like And did Guinness. all the people who lived in that when they built it, were they all Cadbury's workers? Was, that, was that the deal? And okay. likewise Guinness. I mean, you didn't have to be a Guinness employee or connected to the Guinness but it family, but it certainly helped. Okay. But like Guinness, I suppose that emphasis on... You know, beyond housing, Guinness weren't just in the business of mm. building housing, they're in the business of building communities. Yeah. The Ivy yeah. Place Centre, the Ivy Markets in Patrick's Park. All of that was, was just as important as putting a roof over someone's head. And I suppose in Cadbury's case, it was like a recruitment thing as well, because they were trying to create this temperance, this Quaker way of living. Absolutely. And if you were in this town, well, then you you saw the light and you were yeah. probably free Bible in every house and, and all of that. Guinness were a liberal unionist family in a very Catholic nationalist city. There was also ways, I suppose, but both Cabris and Guinness were, were influencing the mm. view of themselves within the societies they were in. Now, tell me where it doesn't work, where it can go wrong. And, and I suppose I'm talking about a place where you feel not just a, a kind of a, a nice favour and low rent mm. to move in, but somewhere where you feel I've no choice but yeah. to live here and, and the company is forcing me to live here. They say there's no such thing as a free lunch. So is there any such thing as a free house or a free roof over your head? And it's a very cautionary tale, actually, from, from Dublin uh, in East Wall, Merchants Row, built by the Merchants Warehouse Company in the early 20th century. You know, Dublin was a very busy port and dock at the time. And then workers from the Merchants uh, Warehouse Company were essentially told, you're going to live on this street, whether you want to or not. Mm. We're moving you into this street. So that raises questions around kind of control, doesn't it? And 
the street became no, known locally as Compulsory Row. Okay. The 1913 lockout erupts, very bitter dispute in the city mm-hmm. around kind of the right to be in a trade union. Uh, and the Merchants Warehousing Company start evicting people on the street who are members of Jim Larkin's union right. and replacing them with loyal workers. So the street then becomes known Compulsory Row as Scabs Row. <laughs> Like who wants to say I live on Scabs Row, you know, and it taints the street in in, in local memory for a long, long time. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the idea of a company constructing houses and telling their workers you can live in these homes if you want to, it's very different from a company like the Merchants Warehouse Company telling you you're moving. Okay, okay, and that probably wouldn't be tolerated nowadays anyway. But can you see, Donal, then um, companies, given the housing crisis in Ireland and given the Mm. footprint of land that these big employers have, do you think they're... Like if Ryanair decided now um, to say, look, forget about the, whatever about these 40 houses, which can provide rents for how many kind of low, low level employees. If they took a plot of land behind the airport and applied for planning permission to build housing, how, how do you think that oh, would be I mean, viewed? If they constructed the, the Michael O'Leary apartment block at yeah. Dublin Airport, I yeah. don't think that would have been the public scandal. I, I think the issue at play here is the point of the market, the most stressed point of the most stressed market we have in Ireland is where the impact was felt on this. I think that's primarily what the issue is all about. Because it was seen as taking housing away from others rather than building it bespoke. No one is particularly upset when Mm. a 4,000 euro a month apartment is taken out of the equation by a tech company in in the Dublin docks. Mm. I think it's where this was putting stress that was ultimately at at play at why this became such an issue. Okay. Well, listen, we'll we'll see what happens with that. But certainly it wouldn't be the first time Michael O'Leary did something either controversial or groundbreaking. So, you know, maybe that's something to come. And certainly um, I I have seen politicians, including the housing minister, giving out about it. But listen, you know, from from O'Leary's view, he's like, well, go sort out your own backyard first. All right. The future of the past is always interesting. What becomes of these houses? Mm. Some of those Guinness houses in Crumlin, you know, the Ivy Gardens, they now sell for north of 500,000 quid. So you build houses for the workers and in time they might become, you know, hot property. Indeed. Donald Fallon, historian, and listen, best luck with um, all of the books and the podcast and all of that, Three Castles. And uh, thanks for coming into the Home Show. Now, uh, even if you've never heard of my next guest, I bet you've seen her pretty artwork of home interiors. Well, she's been awarded Visual Artist of the Year at the prestigious IBAM Chicago 2023 Gala and joins me now, Roisin O'Farrell. You're very welcome along to The Home Show. Thank you so much, Nate. Tell us about this award. Oh, well, it was... um and bolt out of the blue completely. So a gallery in Kinsale, one of my galleries in Kinsale, basically nominated me for this award and, you know, had no idea. It's in Chicago. It's an international award. The other nominees from previous years, even just to be kind of in the same various kind of just broadly connected Indeed. to. I was delighted. You with, know, so. it, it, there's some good company here. Colm Tobin for literature, Gabriel Byrne, Liam Neeson for acting. Um, you, you know, well done. I know. So <laughs> that was amazing. In fact, I knew I'd been nominated and then I got a call from the the um, the organisers and it was on WhatsApp from Chicago and I couldn't, you know the way sometimes you miss a third sentence or a third mm. bit of the sentence? Mm couldn't quite catch it and I knew I'd be nominated but they were sort of saying maybe I'd won something okay. and I didn't like to be so forward just to say what have I yeah. won so eventually it came clear that I had won so they flew me out and we had fabulous time oh. uh, really really treated like royalty and we had great fun we had a weekend in Chicago um, and yeah all the glitz you and the glam all oh, right well listen <laughs> even if people don't know your name they will certainly recognise your art because 
what I love about it are the paintings where you have a series of Wellington boots lined up outside, a, you know, a, a back door, china teacups, beautiful interiors. Um, there's something almost impressionistic about it. Um, is oil your main medium? I love oils. Mm. Juicy, lots of texture, lots of movement. That's kind of my heart. I don't think I'll ever move from oils. I'm probably best known for the welly boots. So they're very friendly and approachable. A lot of Irish people would identify with that kind of sense of home and nostalgia. And sure, we all grew up with that, you know, Boots yeah. by the Put on your door. wellies before exactly. you go out. And yeah. anytime visitors would come, there'll always be a pair that'll fit somebody, you know. Yeah. So uh, that's very much kind of part of that. Uh, more recently, I've been kind of doing more landscapes, very colourful again, and also kind of more abstracted too. Mm. So that's kind of a newer side to it. Yeah, but I'd probably be best known for the interiors and the wellies. Indeed. Boots. And for anyone who's who's listening to me talking to Roisin O'Farrell, if you check out RoisinO'Farrell.com, you will find out exactly what we are talking about and you can have a look at that where is your inspiration from? Is it that sense of of comfort and home and, I suppose, ordinary things? I think when I started painting, I was painting everything. You know, I was I was working on technique and I was looking at different subjects. And um, but that's what came out, that kind of sense of home, sense of the imperfect, you know, the perfect in the imperfect, you know, the families are imperfect, but there's love there anyway. Homes are imperfect and often a mess, but they are places of comfort and home and, and solace anyway. So that kind of thing. I mean, I did an interview odds years ago now and somebody said to me, the interviewer said to me, why are your paintings all about home? And really up until then, I hadn't even used that word. So it was something that has come out. But I think since COVID, my work has begun to change because I've begun to change. I've begun to, my kids are getting older. I'm a single mom and I was very centered in my kitchen and everything worked around that, my business, my kids, everything, my people. And I think now, like many of us, we're looking to grow a little, to move outside of the confines of the necessarily the everyday. So possibly there's a change, a turn, but definitely that's still, there's a sort of a grand yeah. thing. And, and these aren't stylized, perfect homes. No. These are ones with clutter <laughs> and rugs and, you know, toys on the floor. And, yeah, and I love tr- that sense. Cushions. Of, um, yeah. And I paint a lot of, of country houses and, and estate houses. I've visited many of them around Ireland. I love that idea, you know, where you have paint upon paint upon paint and the kitchen chairs have knocked it off. And there's that sense of a lived heritage, a lived story in the home. Mm. So very my my work follows that. So there's there's often something coming through from behind. There's a there's um a, a, a texture to it, I think. Mm. And that's that's because that's kind of how I feel about yeah. everything really. <laughs> so you've brought in some paintings here now, Roisin, and these are these well one is one of your beautiful interiors here and I can see it and it's like um you know it is like an ordinary living room, but you've managed a colour palette there, which might, you know, some might envy the, the look of that. That'd be a lovely one to bring along to an interior well, designer and saying, can you do a that? Georgian <laughs> drawing room in yeah. Dublin. So it's quite grand, but mm. it does have um, lamps lit and there's a sort of a darkness inside and then you've got the light coming in from the window. So that's that's kind of quite a theme. Yeah. You and know. that's challenging enough to do because you can absolutely see the light source, but also the trail of the light across the room. Mm. It doesn't light up all of the corners all of the time? 
I think that's something that always draws, and I think it draws a lot of people, light in any room, you know, we're drawn to it, we need it, I mean, in January. (laughs) I know. We definitely need it, and I'm definitely drawn to it in anything that I paint. So this one, so obviously this is radio, so we have to describe. Yes, we have another painting here of, uh, this is uh, not Ireland, I'm going to guess by the look of it, but it is a streetscape. It's actually Malta. Ah, So my other half is from Malta. And again, the light is really key here. So this is a a narrow alleyway in a place called Birgu, or it's actually in Cospiqua, in Malta. So, you know, old stone, warm colours, very rough, and everyone is in the shade, but then you get these shafts of light. So Mm -hmm. you're looking down this kind of alleyway and it has has lots of plants and lots of trailing uh, greenery and balconies and all of that. And then on one side, you get this like, bam, the light coming through, that kind of multi light. And haven't we all been on holidays, you know, where we've stopped at the top of an alley like that mm-hmm. and just thought, wow, isn't this so authentic? And isn't, isn't it, it the perfect? light, though, that catches you it is. in those yeah. moments when you stop? It is often because the sun is hitting something and you just go, ah. Oh. And also because maybe countries in in warmer parts of the world Mm -hmm. tend to use that very pale stone or a rendering, you know, that that reflects the light. Sandstone, so it's really warm. So even though it's the temperature is really warm, everywhere is that it's the colour is Naples yellow. It's everything is... um, uh, this warm coloured. So here are, are, are we've got granite, which is grey, and we've got mm. quite grey rock and, and in Malta yeah. then everything. No need to reflect the sun no, off your home in Ireland. No. I mean, we could do with it here. <laughs> they have plenty of Indeed. sun, they don't need it. So Roisin, tell me then, is this now what you're planning for, for 2024 at least? It, it is much, it's a way, it's outside rather than inside work. Um I'm doing both. I'm not letting go of the work that I was doing because I still am drawn to it. I'm today. I was even painting in, in interiors, but um, but I am. My life is moving outside of of my home into Wicklow, where mm. I live, and also to Malta and various other places. And also, I'm teaching retreats or or, or um, hosting retreats. So that brings us out into other places. And are you teaching people to paint on those retreats? Uh, are they Uh, experienced artists or beginners? Well, it's sort of everyone really of every um, uh, ability. That doesn't really matter. Even every medium. What I'm doing is a hybrid between a painting workshop. So there's technique and we're teaching, but also a nurturing retreat. So it's both of those things being held together for a week. And the idea is that we're practicing living a bigger creative life. And I, I think Seth Godin had a great quote, and I think of this a lot since COVID. We don't need more uh, content. We need more connection. And I think by just concentrating on getting better on, on the technique that we miss so much of what being a creative, whether you're a writer or a knitter or a painter or whatever, brings to our lives and making it more meaningful and more significant. And a lot of the women that I'm working with, they're not, they don't have an aspiration to be full-time artists like me. And so by concentrating overly on technique and missing out on the broader side of it, of what it means to A, fit that into the practice of your life in a way that's doable, but also enriching your life. And that comes to more than just your painting. It's seeing other art, it's music, it's literature, it's 
uh, it's friendship, it's all those bigger things. And that's what we do on the retreats. We have wonderful, wonderful, amazing, fearless women, you know, midnight swims and music and dinners and all of those kind of things, as well as painting and painting technique too. So it's a blend, really. And it's not just in Ireland or Kerry that you're doing retreats. No. So uh, South Kerry, which is, as you know, incredibly magical. We're like at the end of the world down there. It's on the the estuary, the Kenmare estuary, but also in the States, in up uh, state New York, in the Catskills in April, and then in Malta. So a lot of my Irish friends and followers join me in Malta because from Ireland, it's easy to get to. And also, I mean, you know, we get a bit of sunshine. It's the perfect time of year. So, so that that's also in October this year. And where can people find out more about that? They can uh, find me on Instagram. They can Roisin O'Farrell or on my website, RoisinO'Farrell.com. All right. Well, uh, if anybody wants to check out Rogine and her work, indeed, uh, you can do that there. And of course, you've prints for sale uh, uh, as well yes, on, on the website, the of, of the well, <laughs> whether it's the wellies or the streetscapes in Malta. Rogine O'Farrell, thanks a million for joining Lovely. us on thanks the show. Lovely. Thanks for talking to me. Now, whether you're heading away on holiday or have a holiday home to offer to paying guests or friends, here to give us a few ways to ensure your experience is extra special is Home Show regular and former Home of the Year winner, Jennifer Sheehan. Jen, very welcome back to the studio. Lovely to be here. Now, we're all more seasoned travellers these days. We have a bank holiday this weekend. We have Paddy's Day coming up. We have Easter coming up. We're spoiled for choice. Mm. And I like... I suppose like most people, I find Airbnb is a brilliant way to enjoy a home away from home. It's cheaper a lot of the time and it's a little bit quirky, a little bit different and you've kind of fun poking around other people's (laughs) homes, don't you? I think that's a very Irish thing. Um, But you have some tips for us whether you're the host yeah. or the traveller. Because yeah. there are lots and lots of people who do like to let out their, their homes or, or a room in their home mm. uh, or holiday home for Airbnb. Yeah. And it's a great way to make a bit of extra money. But I think for me, it's all the little personal touches because it isn't a hotel and it shouldn't really try to be like a hotel. It's someone's home and that's kind of what's nice about it. So there's a few, there's some great ideas well, things I look for, let's say, and some things I bring with me just to make sure that that, that weekend is brilliant. So first of all, We'll start with the bedroom because that's why everybody's going Mm. and needs a Mm. place to stay and a place to sleep. So in your bedroom, you have to have good quality sheets. I mean, there's just no excuse for the cheap crap. And everyone has their favourites. Anything non-wrinkle is a good idea. So if you're shopping for sheets, you want wrinkle resistant. Typically that kind of sateen weave is good because it doesn't wrinkle. It's a very, very thick uh, weave. Now it can be a bit hot, but it doesn't wrinkle. So it's kind of a handy one to to put on the beds. Foxford is my favourite. Everyone has their favourites. I love Foxford. I what just Airbnbs are you going to? Well, the this Foxford is the thing. But, sheets but they last. <laughs> this is the thing. Like okay. I find they last so well. They do well in the washing yeah. machine. Do you know? So it's. I think the investment up front is worth it. Okay. And then obviously your mattress is hugely important as well. So if you you know those upfront kind of major investment pieces, that's going to get you the good ratings and give everyone a good night's sleep. And there's actually there's a great place out in Ballybrack near Dublin uh, called the Comfort Bed Outlet, and you can get great mattresses there and I always think I don't like memory foam I think I've been quite clear about that in the past I just don't like it <laughs> and I love it but I've, I, really I've ne- like it. I never ever see it when I'm abroad in a hotel they yeah. seem to favour hotels and certainly the better Airbnbs these firm kind of mattresses you know that the firmer yeah. the better now I don't mind that I like kind of a good night's sleep but I, at home I must say I love the old 
the NASA, as I call it, you know, <laughs> the one thing that was developed by the space agency. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know, I find it always gets to, the, it holds the shape, which I know it's supposed to do, it's mm. called memory foam, that's the whole idea, but I don't like that. You also don't want it holding everybody else's shape yeah, that's exactly. been in it before you. All right, exactly. okay, so okay. So the pocket's okay. brung right. for pockets. Okay. And the last thing is get some layering options in, right? So everyone sleeps at different temperatures. What you like in a bed is different to what your guests might like in a bed. Mm. So have your kind of light duvet there and make sure it's hypoallergenic because you don't know who's coming and mm. what they're allergic to, much as I'd like the goose down, but we'll come back to that. But have a few different blankets at you know available too, so somebody who sleeps yeah. cold can have a few extra bits and something. Yeah, and it's actually it's a great way of doing it to have kind of those throws or yeah. um, blankets at the end of the bed, and then people can choose if I want to warm up or cool down or whatever. So cozy as well. Okay, anything else in the room that you should be providing? Well, have a, for yourself have a mattress protector. Mm. So get a good and there's really good ones these days. You can get waterproof ones. So mm. just you know it doesn't. Now really are they matter. the kind of? Do you feel like a bit like? a baby in that with that rustling plastic they used to be very rustling plastic and I wouldn't have advised them I would have said just replace your mattress Mm. if something goes wrong but they're a lot better now so the materials that are waterproof are not rustly anymore so just have a look anywhere on Amazon and and look for a well-reviewed waterproof mattress topper and you'll see in the reviews and it it won't rustle it's not a a plastic (laughs) like it used to be when your kids were wet in the bed now if you're travelling to an Airbnb do you bring stuff for the Airbnb Jennifer? I, mean, I have a go bag ready every time I'm at an Airbnb. I bring my silk pillowcase and yeah, I'm one of those people. I just... And look at your beautiful skin, folks. I can see her beautiful skin from here. <laughs> silk pillowcase, it's okay. Hair. It's the hair for me. Right. I, I just, I very, you know, I have, a, I have a curl in my hair and it's really frizzy if I don't mind it. So I just find the silk pillowcase is a non-negotiable. And sure, it takes oh, up no space at all in your bag. So mm. you're away with it. So you're already kind of remaking the bed when you get there. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty <laughs> All much. right, okay. And the other thing, and I know I said about sheets, another thing that's great to bring with you if you're a bit iffy about where you're going, if it's, you know, if you're saving, if you're on a budget holiday or something like that and you're 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 a bit worried, bring a sleeping bag liner. This is huh. basically a sleeping bag that's kind of made of sheets. So if you're very fussy about your sheet quality, you can get a silk one, you can get cotton ones. Um, I have Shady. one in my camper van, which we'll be talking about loads in the coming months. It's from Rab. It's about 40 euro. It's cotton. And you kind of get into a little cocoon. And it just means if you're anyway worried about the beds or bed bugs or anything like that, you can bring that. Well, I am now. Holy. <laughs> but it's an idea. Right, okay. So you're a, a serious level of distrust there about the old bear B&Bs. Sometimes you're on a budget trip and you just might, you know, right. might want your own home comforts. Yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, now, bathroom. Yeah. Now, there's nothing worse to my mind and it doesn't matter whether it's a five-star hotel or a one-star Airbnb. You walk into the bathroom if there is a hair anywhere, yeah. I am out of there. If there is kind of grimy towels or or threadbare I'm out of there yeah you need I mean it's not hard to get your bathroom clean mm. and I think one thing that's always handy is one of those little handheld dust busters just go around into every little corner and I mean in behind the toilet you know in every little corner because you never just one little hair and the whole oh, bathroom no, gone and then no. you've lost your good reviews because it is gross you need to have a nice mm. clean bathroom another thing I always think that gets a bit dirty in the bathroom is a bath mat so I would say instead of having one of those uh, fabric ones, get a bamboo one. They're really, really nice. 
they you know they protect your floor they look great they have a bit of a higher touch kind of a, a quality about them um, you can get them in home store more for 15 yeah. euro there's a lovely one on littlegreenshop.ie for about 25 yeah because we don't kind of wash the bath mats maybe as often as we should and there's nothing worse than stepping out on it and finding more under your foot Ugh. than you started with right Ugh. okay no. <laughs> so she, no. ruining everybody's Saturday morning okay <laughs> right uh, so a good good tip on that and actually that whole bamboo kind of even down to the little baskets for the extra loo rolls and that that's a lovely clean look isn't yeah. it baskets yeah. and you know raffia and bamboo and all that much more than cloth and you know wool and carpeting or even plastic for the for mm. the for those lovely baskets i mean they're fabulous and fill those baskets with you know a little bit of hairspray some deodorant something like it's not expensive to just load up those yeah. those type of reusable things yeah and it's all always appreciated you oh. know just a few feminine products because you never know yeah. when when somebody might need it and you were the difference between you know yeah Having a great okay. day and having a, yeah, yeah, a horrible yeah. day. Yeah, okay, exactly. Okay. And a hairdryer, please put a hairdryer in there because you yeah. can't always, a lot of people will be bringing a hand luggage or they just, you know, a hairdryer is bulky. Yeah. So just have a nice hairdryer in there. Great. Okay, yeah. super. I wonder how much of those get nicked because when you're in a hotel, they're very often affixed to the inside of the drawer or the wall and you can't yeah. take it anywhere. But an Airbnb, maybe they go walking as well. Who knows? They might. Now, as far as I know, Airbnb are good at that kind of thing. They're good at, you know, if, if you have a list of what's there and you're able to, to prove that it's missing. I it's think insurable. Pretty, okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, what do you bring for that? Yeah. Flip-flops. Two things. I always bring flip-flops because you're. I'm the same as you. If I see one hair, I don't want to touch any surface mm. ever again in that bathroom. I think so flip-flops as opposed to a pair of slippers, which is what I bring. I Instead, I bring flip-flops. Yeah, okay. because I find if I put my, if my feet are wet or something after a shower. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Wet. Fair and enough. And the second Good thing call. I always bring is I have a toiletries bag that rolls up yeah. with a hook on it. And this is brilliant because if you're in a bathroom, if it's really small and you don't have enough space, there's nothing worse than kind of wondering where you put your shampoo and your toilet. Oh, face. right. Okay. Just hang it on the back of the door or I hang it inside the shower. I have a nice waterproof one from sea to summit. That's a good and idea. Yeah. Because yeah. there's never enough shelving and cupboards and all that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Um, right. Okay. That's the loo. Now, kitchen, living room. If you are, there's nothing nice than walking into an Airbnb and seeing, for me, seeing a coffee machine sitting there. Oh. And that tells me somebody gets me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? They get the traveller. They want to walk in and go, oh, thank God I can have a coffee in the morning without having to get up, get out, you know, go somewhere. Um, so at the very least, though, a kettle. At you the know. very least, a kettle. Yeah. And obviously, you know, have the tea bags and have, yeah. even if it's a little thing that it's you make tea milk or something. Tea. Yeah. I mean, even if you, somebody cleans you out. You yeah. know, if you have enough, yeah, one couple for every day, that's enough. Yeah. I'm with you on the coffee machine. And what's really popular is those Nespresso machines because they're easy and it's easy to keep clean and you can just provide a few pods. I don't love that coffee myself, but it is a nice touch to have it. But, you know, a filter coffee and just have a little bag of ground coffee. How much yeah. is that? A few euro and a few filters. And I mean... That's a five-star mm. rating for me. Yeah, <laughs> no, me too, me too. Because sometimes, you know, especially if you're coming in on a late flight or you just want to get there, you want to go to bed and get up in the morning and yeah. there's nothing there, you know. Or sometimes what's really infuriating, there are filters and no coffee. Yeah, or <laughs> coffee and no filters yeah. is nearly worse. And you're like, don't do that, don't do that. Either oh, have what? nothing at all or give me the lot, right, okay. <laughs> so do provide that. Um, and then it's lovely to provide, if you're staying a few days, a dishwasher tablet yeah. or, you know, a bit of... Uh, detergent or something. You yeah. don't have to provide buckets of it, but just a little bit that you can say, do you know what? I, I love, now maybe it's just me being quirky, Jen. I love when I'm away, say for a week in the sun in an Airbnb, mm. um, put, sticking all my clothes in the, in oh, the yeah. washing machine on the last day. That's the best tip ever because then you come home and all you have to do is And they're fresh. 
and you come back and you're not kind of unloading laundry at yeah. midnight trying to. So that's my top tip. So if, yeah. if somebody has left me enough detergent to throw it in the washing machine, dry it in the sun, all in the bag, and then you open the bag and you get that smell of detergent and sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> It's brilliant. Or even again, if you're just travelling light and you only have check-in, it means you can bring half the amount of clothes, wash the exactly, and, the exactly. and it costs nothing. Yeah. It's totally worth it. Yeah, there you go, Reiner. <laughs> right, buy detergent, save on Reiner bags. Okay, <laughs> so that's that's a good idea. So if you're leaving that, uh, now if you are in Ireland, of course, um, your prob- people aren't going to be worried about taking home too much sunshine. So what could you leave in your Airbnb here for, for visitors that they would appreciate? An umbrella. Yeah, I know it has to be top of the list. It has to be. And listen, that's or one five. thing that could go, you know, maybe it will go walkies because your your guests might leave it in a local cafe or something, but surely you can go around and, and check and, and bring it back. You know, they're they're very unlikely to take it home mm. with them. Like they're not going to mm. steal a big umbrella. And those little kind of roll up ones that, you know, you can just leave a couple of those. Yeah. It's not the end yeah. of the world. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, anything else that you think is a nice touch to leave with people? So this is more of a techie one, but I think it's a very polite thing to do to leave a Chromecast or some kind of casting device on the TV. More for longer stays. If I'm away for a few days, I'm not watching any TV. But if you're gone for a week or more, you might want one evening or one afternoon mm. where you just throw down and, and you watch your favourite show to kind of recharge. So Chromecast is what, about 30, 40 euros, something yeah. like that. and. Maybe it will go walkies, but again, with Airbnb, it's very unlikely to, or you'll get, you know, you're likely to get it back. So yeah. this is the little thing that you plug into the back of your TV and it means that your guests can stream their favourite shows from their phone. So you don't have to be providing, you know, satellite or all the channels or whatever else mm. needs to be. They're in charge of that, but it just enables them to connect to the TV. And Good. Whatever they want. And that predicates then good Wi-Fi and an easy, easily accessible Wi-Fi. Yeah, easily okay. accessible Wi-Fi. Leave the password out clear somewhere or what's even nicer is if you can turn the password into a QR code. A bit advanced, maybe get someone to help you if you're mm. not sure what that means. Holiday with a teenager. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. You won't see them for one end of the so when you're going away then as a traveller to an Airbnb, what do you bring with you? Yeah, I actually always bring a bottle opener. So I now, often do you find... true? I've had, I had brought a bottle opener um, a couple of years ago and I was taken off me at what? airport security. A bottle opener or a corkscrew? No, a corkscrew. Yeah. I like know, a, I've always hidden it very well. Kind of like a weapon. Taken away. You know, yeah. maybe I looked a bit dodgy going through with you it. do look a bit dodgy. That could I know, be yeah, that's possible. That be swinging it. a bottle, swinging a bottle of wine at the same time. I think there's so, a length thing to it because you're even allowed to bring certain... I'm not advising anyone bring a knife on a plane, but there's certain there's there's a length element and I don't know what it is. Okay. Look it up, but a little okay. corkscrew will do If that. not, I mean, any resort you go to is going to have them for a couple of quid yeah. anyway. But nothing worse than arriving in on the night <laughs> and having the bottle of wine ready to go and you're ready to relax and there's nothing to open it. And I do sometimes bring a Chromecast with me as well if I want to yeah. TV. Yeah. Okay, well listen, um, that is super tips. If anybody is running an Airbnb actually, uh, do get in touch with us. Let, let us know what you like to provide for guests coming to our um, I would suggest maps, umbrellas, yeah. tips, um, a raincoat. list of tips. Yeah, local places to People go. People like That's that, don't such they? A lovely touch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good out, restaurants you know. and and whatever. Yeah. Okay, Jenny, uh, thanks a million for uh, giving us all those, and uh, hopefully people are getting a chance to get away in the next few months uh, away from this dreary. Well, it's not too bad, but it's, it's cloudy. And Maybe you're away now. Yeah. Maybe it's a great time. <laughs> exactly. Enjoy yourself. Tell us about your Airbnb. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Thanks a million for coming in. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks' time. That's all we have time for on this episode of the Home Show podcast. Thank you. 
you for joining me. Um, I've had a lovely time here, found out lots of new things I didn't know and uh, I hope you did too. If you'd like to get in touch with us at any stage during the week to nominate a topic or a guest or something you'd like to hear on The Home Show, well then please do. We are at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and I'm on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100 and we do love to hear from our podcast listeners. Uh, production team this week, Aidan McKelvey, Aoife Breen and Stephen McLoon and we will see you all again next time on The Home Show podcast. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan, Saturday morning at 8 on News Talk.